Good. Thank you, Michael. <clears throat> uh, again, my name is Paul Fleming. I'm glad to be here, and it's my pleasure to bring this last message in our series on the forgotten God, which is about the Holy Spirit. And if you know me, talking about the Holy Spirit gets me really excited. Um, I'm not just talking about the Holy Spirit, but sharing stories about what the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life and in the lives of those around me. So I, I, I really love uh, this opportunity to speak to you today about the Holy Spirit. And um, quick question as we get started here this morning, it's, it's true that we all have people that we look up to, right? People that we try to emulate. We strive to be like that one person that, uh, that we really admire. And in a few moments, I'm going to tell you about a person that uh, has been a great example for me in some important ways. So the question for you right now is, think of that person. Who is that person that you look up to? And what is it about them? What characteristics about them are you striving to emulate? So as you think about who you are striving to emulate, did you know that God wants you to be like his son, Jesus. Jesus Christ was the world's greatest prophet and teacher, and he walked in this world with all wisdom, discernment, and power, performing signs and miracles everywhere he went. In the book of John, it shows this, and it says in John chapter 21, Jesus also did many other things. If they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. You see, Jesus had not only a powerful impact on the world, but just as important is that Jesus had an impact on the people that were around him, the individuals that were around him. So God wants you to be like his son Jesus, and this leads us to two questions. First of all is, how do we do that? And the second question is, what does that even look like? For me to be like Jesus. Of course, God wants you to pray. He wants you to read his word, and he wants you to be nice to your neighbors. But God also wants you to walk in the fullness of the power and the wisdom that Jesus had. And as Michael reminded us so many times over the past few weeks, we're not only saved unto eternal life by the belief in the death and the resurrection and the lordship of Jesus Christ, but we are saved unto a life of power by being saved and being born again of the Holy Spirit. We learned from Michael that it was better for Jesus to leave the world so that the Holy Spirit, the helper, could come. So why is that? Why is it better that the Holy Spirit would come, the helper would come? Well, the helper came and resides in order in us, he resides in us in order to guide us, to speak to us, to teach us, and to empower us so that we can walk as Jesus walked. Jesus was led by the Father in everything that he did, and likewise, we are to be led by the Spirit in everything that we do. Consider this scripture from the Apostle Paul in Romans, from Romans chapter 8. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. We are marked as children of God. Our distinguishing feature as children of God is that we are led by the Spirit of God. It is this truth that allows us to walk like Jesus. 
Jesus was led by the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit, and we are to do exactly the same because God wants you to be fully and completely like Jesus. And sometimes there are people in our lives who are great examples of Jesus to us, and we in turn can learn from them, and hopefully we can be great examples of Jesus to those around us. So we're going to tell you about a man named Jacques Fourcan. Jacques Fourcan was a man who was a great example of Jesus to me. Jacques Fourcan was a pastor and an evangelist from Haiti. And years ago, my wife Patty and I were living in Singapore, and we had just completed a, a one-year intensive training that we would just call a Walking with God class. And it was uh, for a full year. But after the com completing this class, the Lord put me through a very intense trial. It was the worst month of my life. There were things happening to test me, and it was so difficult. In the middle of this, all I could do was come home, sit in a chair, and pray, and I would literally cling to the robes of Jesus. Help me through this, Lord. Help me through this. Unfortunately, or fortunately, during that time, I had volunteered to help in an event. And the speaker at this event was Jacques Fourcan, who I mentioned. And I didn't know about him at the time. So at the event, I was an usher helping people to seat. And by the time the event was started, it was full capacity. There was not a seat left in the house. And so I wanted to hear what Jacques Fourcan had to say. So I found myself a spot on the floor in the aisle and kind of looked up at the stage through the people's heads that were, were near me. Well, Jacques Fourcan eventually took the stage and he began sharing the testimony of his journey. You see, he'd been one of the most powerful high priests of voodoo in Haiti ever. He had incredible power. He had been drenched in evil that was so evil. <laughs> he, he was just a, an evil man. He would rather look at you, you know, and kill you than anything else. Um, and he claimed to have personally met Satan. So he was a very bad man. But then he became a born-again believer in Jesus Christ after hearing the gospel, and he, he gave his life over to the Lord. And this was his testimony that he was sharing, his walk as a voodoo priest and his conversion to Christianity. And in the middle of his testimony with this amazing story, which was jaw-dropping at every turn, he stopped. He just stopped talking. And he walked across this huge stage in this auditorium full of people. And he walked until he could see me sitting on the floor in the aisle because he couldn't see me. And he pointed to me and he said, young man, I want you to know that God has you in the palm of his hand. Do not be afraid. Nothing will harm you. Everything that is happening will turn out okay. Do not fear. And he walked back to the middle of the stage and continued his testimony. Well, needless to say, I was in tears. I was comforted beyond what you can imagine, beyond understanding. Jacques Fourcan walked as Jesus walked. Jacques Fourcan was obedient to the Holy Spirit. He stopped what he was doing, and he delivered a message from the Lord directly to me. He was guided by the Holy Spirit 
to find me and to bring to me the very words of Jesus that I needed to hear. And this was the beginning of my journey to understanding that God wants each of us to be like his son Jesus. Now at Genesis, our mission statement is helping all people walk with God. So what does this mean? And why, why do we even make a statement like that, helping all people walk with God? Well, we can all agree that our ultimate goal as individuals is to become Christ-like. And what this means is that we are to walk like Jesus in all the fullness of the power that Jesus had. So what are some of the characteristics that we should look, like, look at in G- with Jesus in his ministry? And we can focus in on three characteristics. The first one is that Jesus was obedient. Jesus was obedient to the Father in everything that he did, 100% completely obedient. Jesus was dependent upon the Father and dependent upon the Holy Spirit in everything that he did. And Jesus, of course, walked in power. Jesus was fully empowered by the Father and by the Holy Spirit to do all the things that he did. He was empowered in his teaching, he was empowered in his wisdom, and he was empowered in performing miracles such as healing, walking on water, many more you know about. But it may seem strange to you in this that, you know, that Jesus was obedient, he was dependent, he walked in power, and in spite of all, it may seem strange to some of you that Jesus had no power in and of himself. And to say this is not to deny Jesus' divinity but it is actually to portray his humanity, which is very important. Jesus did nothing in his own strength. He made so many statements to support this, and I'll give you a couple here right now. In John chapter 5, Jesus gave them this answer. Very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Later in chapter 5, Jesus says this, again, by myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So in all of this, God wants you to be fully and completely like Jesus. And the only way that we can walk like Jesus, that is to emulate Christ, is to walk with the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul also walked as Jesus walked. He's a great example. The Apostle Paul was obedient to the Holy Spirit. He was dependent upon the Holy Spirit, and he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. You can read the book of Acts and see how Paul was empowered in so many ways and dependent upon the Holy Spirit. But Paul didn't just say, watch me and be amazed at what I do. No, he said, imitate me. And this is how he says to imitate me. In 1 Corinthians 11, it says this. Paul says, and you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Paul walked imitating Christ, and Paul invites us to imitate him as he imitates Christ. So if we want to walk like Jesus, if we decide, yes, this is what I want to do, how do we begin? 
I'll make a couple of points here. First, if you want to walk like Jesus, we need to acknowledge that there is a natural realm and that there's a spiritual realm. Acknowledge that you have citizenship in both of these realms. You are a citizen, a citizen of the United States, right? But you are also a citizen of the kingdom of heaven as a child of God. So you have dual citizenship, whether you knew it or not. As you live and participate in the, actual, in the activities of the natural world you live in, you should also be willing to live and participate in the supernatural world that is the kingdom of heaven. So let me give you an example of this. How many of us love to go to the beach? Everybody, we like the beach? Every, yes, everybody loves to go to the beach. And a while ago, I was sitting um, a couple years ago wondering, like, why is it that the beach is so special? What draws me? I, I'm drawn to the beach. I'm drawn to sit there at the edge of the water. And part of it is that we're sitting at the intersection of land and water. There's something special about that. And we're familiar with the land because that's where we live, but the ocean is kind of unfamiliar. It's powerful, it's mysterious, it's wonderful, it, it, it invites thoughts of adventure and what's happening on the other side and all these things, and, and God forbid what's underneath. Don't go to Cape Cod, right? <laughs> but like standing at the edge of the ocean, we are as Christians are standing at the edge of something awesome, something powerful, something mysterious, and something wonderful. And every day we are sitting at the intersection of the natural and the supernatural. And as Christians, we're called to participate in the natural realm in supernatural ways. Let me repeat that. As Christians, we're called to participate in the natural realm, where we are now, but we are called to participate in that in supernatural ways. Well, we do this by being fully clothed in Christ. How does this happen? Well, when you pray, when you worship, and when you're in the word of God, you are being clothed. You are being prepared. We are clothed in the undergarments of humility. If you're familiar with Ephesians 6, we're to put on the armor of God. There's a lot of clothing going on in the Bible, amen? But in Galatians 3, Paul says this. We are also clothed in Christ. The verse says this. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. Well, this metaphor of clothing is great, but it falls short because being filled with the Spirit is not like putting on a covering like an outward clothing. Being filled with the Spirit is an inside job. We need to drink deeply of the living waters of the Spirit such that it nourishes us, that it empowers us in every fiber of our being. And this is how the Holy Spirit equips us, by being clothed with Christ and just drinking of that living waters. So Firstly, we talked about acknowledging that there's a natural realm and a spiritual realm. Secondly, acknowledge and celebrate the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
This series is about the forgotten God. We don't want to forget the Holy Spirit. Acknowledge the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And when you do, that acknowledge of the Holy Spirit in your life, this is true worship. This is true worship. What does that look like? One way to be in constant awareness of the Holy Spirit is to be in a constant state of thanksgiving and praise. And this is something that I try, excuse me, this is something that I try to practice in my life. I thank God for all kinds of things all the time as much as I can. I'll walk into my office and see the flowers and I'll just thank God those flowers are beautiful. Thank you, Lord. Walk outside on a day like today, I can't help thanking God for the beauty of spring and the reminder of life that is in spring. And pretty often I thank God for the hot water I have in my shower in the morning. There might be a day when you don't have that. And I'm thankful for that. The list is endless. I thank God all the time for many things. And this is a celebration of the Holy Spirit in my life. That's what I do. And this alone, doing that, has changed my walk with God. So this is one way to acknowledge the Holy Spirit. So what does all this look like practically? Hopefully you can acknowledge that there's a natural realm and a spiritual realm. And perhaps now you're saying to yourself, Yes, I would like to participate in the spiritual realm as a citizen of heaven. How does that work out in your life? Well, first of all, invite the Holy Spirit into your lives. Eventually, you will be aware of the Holy Spirit's leading in your life. And this Holy Spirit's leading is going to be unique to you. You may hear a small voice. The Holy Spirit may speak to you through the Word of God as you're studying the Bible or through prayer. Uh, you may recognize a tug or a pull or a nudge that the Holy Spirit's trying to nudge you towards something, or you might feel an unfamiliar burden to do something. These are all ways that the Holy Spirit is trying to lead us. And all those things refer back to the verse that we looked at before, which is, all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. So here's an interesting point. We cannot be obedient to the Spirit if we cannot discern where He's leading us. If we're not moving in faith in the direction that the Holy Spirit is taking us, then there's no need to be dependent upon him, right? And if we don't need to be obedient and there's no dependence, then naturally there'll be no power in our walk. But the reality is that we receive power from on high when by faith we step into the leading of the Holy Spirit and are fully dependent on him. That's where the power of God comes from. So I'm gonna take you back to Singapore some years ago, about a year after I met Jacques Forcan that first time. And my small group was diving into all of these things. We were growing in the knowledge and the understanding of the Holy Spirit. But one of my friends in my group was just not moving and growing with us. And it turned out that my friend was afraid of spiritual things, specifically because he did not believe that God would protect him he did not trust God at all. So that was fairly alarming. We didn't know what to do about that except to just to pray for him. And amazingly, in God's providence, about the same time, I heard that Jacques Rocan was coming back to Singapore. So I found out where he was going and who was taking care of him. And uh, I knew he was in town for the week. And uh, I met up with him. And amazingly, he agreed to come and speak to my small group. 
much to the amazement of my friends who thought I was crazy. While we were waiting for that meeting, I asked my wife, Patty, if I should call him and ask him if he would teach on faith and teach on trusting in God for the benefit of my friend who we were really worried about. And Patty's response to that question was amazing. She said, you know, if Jacques is the man of God that you think he is, you don't need to make that phone call. Wow, you're right. So I didn't make that call. Case, co case closed, Patty. Well, later that week, Jacques came and spoke to my group, and including guests, we had about 30 people crammed into this little apartment. And Jacques opened the meeting by saying, Paul told me that you're a mature group, so I came with this really meaty message for you guys today, but the Holy Spirit's just leading me to do something else, and I want to bring it back to basics, and tonight I want to speak to you about faith, and tonight I want to speak to you about trusting in God. And I looked at Patty. <laughs> wow. You're good. He's good. Holy Spirit is awesome. So we were blown away. After he gave his message, he led a time of ministry, and he prayed for the sick, and he prayed for those who were struggling. Then he looked over the room, and he picked out in the back of the room a guy, who, a young man who was sitting in the back against the wall and kind of hidden against the dining room table. And he says, young man, come up here. This guy kind of sheepishly walked up. This man was my untrusting friend. You saw that coming, right? My untrusting friend. And Jacques put his hands on his shoulders, looked him right in the eye, and he said, my son, you must learn to have faith in God. My son, you must learn to trust in God. He said, everything depends on trusting on God. My message tonight was for you, and now I will pray for you. <gasps> wow. We were in amazement, and we were in amazement and trembling at the wonder and the grace of God in that moment. It was overwhelming. And I tell you these stories about Jacques Fourcand because he was a man who walked like Jesus walked, and through him and others, I learned and became confident in the fact that God wants me to walk as Jesus walked. By stopping to speak the words of God to me in the middle of his testimony, he showed me that another person could be like Jesus to me. And he showed me that obedience to the Holy Spirit was more important than what he was doing in the moment. And later, by walk, watching Jacques speak and minister in my small group, he showed me how to walk like Jesus. And I determined that I would make every effort to listen, obey, and depend on the Holy Spirit and to be open to how the Spirit would use me to speak and minister in the fullness of power. At that moment, I determined I wanted to be like Jacques because he was being like Jesus. And I truly believe in the words of Jesus in John 14, 12, where Jesus says this, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I'm going to the Father. Repeat that first part again. I tell you the truth. 
anyone who believes in me, that's you, will do the same works that I have done. It's a very powerful verse. To be like Jesus, to walk like he did, means that you and I will do the same works that Jesus did. That is why the Holy Spirit, the helper, came. That is why he came. My strongest desire is to be the same example to you that Jacques was for me. I would like to be one example amongst others here at Genesis of how to listen to the Holy Spirit, how to obey him, and how to depend on him. And I want to make this point very firm. Always, always, everything we do is consistent with the word of God. We need to strive to become fully and thoroughly equipped in the word of God. Amen? Yeah. So at Genesis, we always always like to say that we want to have fresh stories about how God is working in us and through us. And I would like to share one story about my friend and neighbor, an incredibly nice guy named David. Well, a little over 18 months ago, David and I were having a conversation in my backyard. And at that time, both David and I believed that he was a Christian But a nudge from the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask David this question. Hey, David, are you able to articulate the gospel? And David looked back at me like a a deer in the headlights. The answer was no. And I said, okay, well, let me take a few minutes and um, explain to you God's plan of redemption through his son Jesus so that maybe you can explain it to others. Well, I gave him the 45-minute version. (laughs) I got like three versions. That's the long one. David was very excited about hearing this, about how everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus and then the plan of redemption for his life. He was so excited. I had never heard this before this way. This is great. Fantastic. And I was like, great. Okay, now's the time, you know. And then he just got up, said thanks, and he left. (laughs) And my jaw dropped. But okay, see ya. Well, over the next few months, we'd get together, and we would talk, and we would explore the Bible, and David always had this hesitancy to move forward, which was totally okay. I was just so happy that David would come over and hang out and talk about the Lord. He's in the Lord's hands. It's all good. But one time early last year, David and I had scheduled to have another meeting over my house, and he was going to come over. And I prayed to the Lord, Lord, what should, I, what should I share with David? And the response was pretty heavy. The Lord said, I want you to share Romans 7 and 8 with David. I'm like, really, Lord? Romans 7 and 8? This is like the most difficult chapters in the whole Bible. Probably. If you're a theologian, you're going to spend you know, years in Romans 7 and 8. But when David came over, we spent about two hours just slogging and wading through the many challenging scriptures in Romans 7 and 8. We had a really powerful discussion. But when we were finished, two hours later, David told me about his, his, his arm. And due to some nerve damage, he had been in great pain for many weeks, and he had no feeling in his hand. So I asked if I could pray for his arm, and he said, sure, you can pray for me. So I knelt down next to him, 
And I prayed for several minutes. The Holy Spirit was guiding some of my prayers. And when we were done, David's arm was pain-free, and the feeling in his hand was restored. And this remained healed, and there was no need for surgery. I didn't tell you that surgery was his only option, and there was no need for surgery. And that night, David went home just skipping with joy and amazement at what God had done for him. And our next meeting, a week or two later, David bowed his knee to Jesus and accepted him as his Lord and Savior. In this story, the Holy Spirit's power was revealed in the power of gospel witness, the truth of God's word, and in the miracle of healing. And all of this was done to bring my friend David into the kingdom of heaven. So why did Jesus say, it's better that I go? Because the power of the kingdom of God on earth is manifest through the body of believers who are each walking as Jesus walked in their unique giftings and callings. And ultimately, the Holy Spirit's power is given to us for effective witness. It is given so that God will be glorified. There will be those who hear and bow their knee to Jesus, but there will be others who see a genuine miracle of God before their very eyes, and they will not believe. This is the only unforgivable sin, the blasphemy of not believing in the power and the work of the Holy Spirit when it happens right in front of you. So I encourage you in this. Train your ears to listen to the Holy Spirit. Obey the Holy Spirit. It takes faith, but the Holy Spirit will never ask you more than what you're able to do. And he will empower you. And when you depend on him, he will do things through you that you've never dreamed of. And I have seen this at work in my life over and over again, and I have seen it at work through this body at Genesis over and over again. And our series about the Holy Spirit is called The Forgotten God. And if we are men and women who have forgotten God, then we won't be walking as Jesus walked. We are called to walk as Jesus walked. So I want to close like with this. As we grow, we are to look more and more like Jesus. And I'll leave you with this verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image.